Lucas, it's been a, a hot minute since this podcast started in the form that it currently exists. Yeah, we were, thinking? we've recorded, apparently, now 100 episodes for the, uh, you know, the Spotify version slash YouTube version uh, of this show, the non-brew version. The non-brew. That's a nice way of putting it, I like that. It's, you know, post-brew. The post-brew, <laughs> like, you know. Uh, podcast that is, and like you know, obviously we're on all podcast services and stuff. Like I just say Spotify because we launched on Spotify, but yeah, yeah. How good an idea was it to create a just um, a platform that doesn't let um, uh, other people um, uh, post to it and charges you for listening? It's a great idea, that, isn't it? It's a weird thing charging for content in a world where almost everything is free. Yeah, like it's so hard to try and have these like subscription platforms and the ones that usually do exist are the ones like audible where they've got the backing of amazon behind them yeah and it's uh it's just it was a weird era because i think um, today's episode is going to mostly just like you know a retrospective and like you know what we've talked about how like you know we've done and stuff yeah for sure and um you know i guess we could talk about like you know brew itself because it was a very strange time where i think we talked about i just got an offer from a podcasting company called brew we're trying to do a thing of yeah, we're going to create just a, an exclusive platform for podcasts. It's like, like cool, you know, Those that works. Everywhere for free. Like, okay, well, you know, podcast platform, that works. And like, mm-hmm. the point was that people would get paid for making episodes so that they would be like advertisement free and stuff for, mm-hmm. for better purpose of listening. The problem being that they wanted to charge people for it and people don't want to pay for podcasts. Uh, they do not now, and I think one of the things I mentioned is I immediately saw the flaw in this as someone who is familiar with how the internet works and the fact that people generally don't like paying for stuff. There's a a, a statistic online, a very telling statistic, um, that uh, one we mentioned quite a lot is the 99% rule, mm-hmm. uh, which is like 1% of people can be trusted to click on something even when directly asked to on the yeah. internet, usually less than 1%. And then if there is like a paywall on that thing, you can put it down to 1% of that 1%. And that's the thing is, you know, obviously people out there who have podcasts that are supported by Patreon, just mm-hmm. like, you know, our content is a lot, a lot of our content anyway. And like, yeah, you can help us out at patreon.com slash untitled side channel as always. Mm-hmm. But just generally speaking, like there are people that will go out of the way to support artists and support podcasts. There's not many people that will, want to pay up front for the podcast like people are happy to listen to podcasts and then some of those people after what like you know consuming that free content will go off and like help out and support places but it's, it's very hard to ask people up front for you know paying to listen to stuff nowadays yeah it's like um like with streaming services one of the only ways that you can really get a launch you're never going to get any companies launching a successful streaming service they're going to try but the only real way to launch successful streaming services is to have just so much content in your library yeah. that people are willing to use. Because, like, look at what happened with, like, HBO Max. I was going to say, apparently, like, you know, Warner Bros. slash Discovery are not happy with HBO Max, which is one of, like, the premier streaming platforms. Just because there's not enough in there. And that's, like, a sad case, really, because the reason they're not happy with it is because they don't want to pay for scripted television when they can just make 15 seasons of Love Island for the same cost. Well, probably for a lot less, I would presume, because you don't have all, like, you know, the, the set 
costs and you don't have all the um, the CGI Lances. and stuff like that and yeah. the, like the highly paid actors and stuff. Yeah, yeah, that's one of the reasons why that's happened. So it's not really a great case study for it, but like when it comes to things, you need to have a big dearth of content there. And I said to them, like to Brewery, this is not going to work, and they went, well, "No, we think it is." We'll pay you. And I'm like, fuck it. I'll take this money and pay my good friend, Lucas. And that's how you got like folded into the channel, mm-hmm. which I yeah. apologize profusely. I mean, you don't need to, like, at the end of the day. <laughs> yeah. Uh, initially, you know, I was just doing it on the side. And then it became like, well, I'm helping out enough with, like, Fat Fiend and the podcast that, like, I can go to part-time work at Anders. And then eventually, like, you know, you brought me into Fat Fiend, like, um, in the middle of the pandemic because it was like, you know, well, fuck Nando's, can we join and edit for us and stuff and, like, yeah. work full-time, so... Hitch your wagon to me. Yeah, and it's been a hell of a hell of a few years, well, a couple of years, or, you know, because obviously it's hard to, to really quantify it because I was, like, you know, part-time and stuff like that for a lot of it, but it's uh, certainly been a, a much-needed improvement in my quality of life, so thank you. Yeah, it has been like um, uh, an adventure to go through, and like you know, we're still hanging on. We're st- we're still keeping on, keeping on, doing our like you know our level best. What something we've talked about before is like you can't often um, uh, expect just uh, you know things to continue rising forever, which is how I'm hoping that I want to get a house soon. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, I know. <laughs> so things if like that's it. If things kept increasing in popularity and success, and like you know the numbers kept going up, I wouldn't be able to afford a house. So. Well, that's the thing, isn't it? Like when you know, even like you know, big companies and stuff, where it's like, well, why do they keep making profits and then sacking a bunch of people and making awful decisions? It's because exponential growth is the expectation, but exponential growth has to end and burst at some point. Like realistically, in terms of like actual economics and stuff, like exponential growth does not exist forever. No, but. It can exist temporarily and give the illusion of it, and it's one of the things yeah. that's like ruined near enough every service in existence online, like you know Netflix or putting their prices up while cancelling popular television shows and um or television shows streaming shows. I don't know mm-hmm. what to call them, but like they are cancelling their highest rated content to make cheaper content and also raising prices and suggesting that ads are coming. And it's like all of that is in vain of just our profits always need to be higher than the last set of profits. Yeah, we can't just keep making money because then you're not going to get investment. Uh-huh. And I guess it's the same thing in regards to like, you know, content. Of like, you can't expect exponential growth of content because after a while, you're going to run out of people to watch stuff. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, it's one of those things of like, is why we're we've tried different things over time and you know it's why we've got the side channel and stuff like that to be able to try out new content and see what works and what doesn't now throw some shit at a wall and see what sticks but unfortunately the way youtube likes to work is if we throw all a bunch of shit at the wall on fact fiend we'll create our views and analytics but more than likely we will it's more yeah, likely that's... that that will happen then something will immediately stick and gain us in you know, terms of popularity. So that's one of those things that you have to um, uh, like uh, explain to people, isn't it? Because uh, the internet is really um, polarised and quite limited in... And when I say the internet, I mean people who use the internet but don't necessarily 
create anything. And they just have a, a very like a binary view of how it works. And they have a really skewed view of what success actually looks like. Uh, so in regards to like, you know, the podcast that we're doing right now, I think, you know, we get a couple thousand listens on it. Um, uh, uh, something along those lines, yeah. Something uh, like that, yeah. It's like a couple thousand, li- uh, couple uh, thousand listens, which sounds bad. Like, yeah, I tend to not be too focused on the analytics because that's when you like, again, with this podcast that's not particularly meant to be like this big global smash hit or anything like mm-hmm. The point is that it's kind of just free reign to do whatever we want and have a chat. Yeah, and uh, the reason I'm mentioning that is because like a couple thousand, that as someone who makes content online, that's very good, yes? I mean, in the grand scheme of things, but when compared to like the main Fat Fiend channel, Mm. then that's when like the expectations start to change and like it's a very weird world to live in. Yeah, and that's what happens when it comes to... um, uh... Uh, like people viewing it as an outside perspective, they'll see. It's like, I think Twitch is the best example of this. If you can have, yeah. uh, like the statistic I like to throw around is if you have more than three people watching your stream at any given time, you are doing better than like ninety five percent of everyone else on Twitch. You are in like the top five percent of Twitch streamers. But when people think of Twitch streamer, they think of millions of views, hundreds of thousands of people in chat at any given time. So yeah. they see that as an outsider, as a failure. And I think that's one of the reasons why people think it's a lot easier to do what it is we do than it actually is in real life. Because how often have we had the question of how do I get started on the internet? And we try and tell them, look, it requires a lot of work, a lot of luck and a lot of persistence. And they're like, yeah, but how do I do what you do? Mm -hmm. How do I just get as many followers as you have? It's like, well, you don't? Like, well, no, at least not straight away you don't. And I am. There was like a, a really popular um, video that went out by, um, is it like Super Eye Patch Wolf? Is that the name? The YouTuber? Uh, yeah. And um, uh, they were talking about like, oh, all of these guides um, to becoming a content creator. And he's like, oh, look at this guy, for example. He's selling like a course that you can still pay him money for that details very basic things about analytics that you can find on any fucking thing because they'll just tell you the same stuff on every single one and they're all a scam yeah. like and then he goes oh okay well this video was when this person had like three hundred thousand subscribers the last time they had those numbers was four years ago which means their advice is four years old which on youtube is fucking ancient history mm-hmm. it needs to be like a day yeah it's like um, that person like they said it themselves of like well if somebody asked me how would i get popular on youtube my answer would have to be based on personal experience. And that personal experience is go back in time and re- really niche Dragon Ball content on YouTube yeah, is, 12 years ago. Like, yeah. Like, no one can be an expert. I, I, and it's one of the, the easiest ways to disprove like how um, YouTube, like a meritocracy, or there's a way to um, uh, you know cheese it, is go look at any of those channels that say they can do it and look at their interaction rates of, they might have hundreds of thousands of subscribers, but they'll get like 10 views per video and no likes. So let's say that we go look at like Instagram influencers who have tens of thousands of followers and get like 40 likes. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's no way to like, for the most part, it's very difficult to artificially inflate numbers and success online. The only real way to do it is just to be a genuine person, be enthused about the content you make and hope 
hope that you get lucky enough where the algorithm smiles on you. Yeah, for sure. And people don't like it when you say that and just get annoyed. And like, but how do you do it though? So, well, you know, persistence and luck and a bit of skill. But like, that's not a very satisfying answer, is it? No, it's it's people think that there's some kind of like cheat sheet, and there's not. And again, like as you say, like because people have these wild expectations of like, well, I see Mr. Beast has this many subscribers and views, so the moment I start making content and I get a dozen views on a video, is that, well, that's a complete failure. Mm-hmm. Like, you don't see, they don't see it as well. That's a dozen, like, try going out into the street and counting a dozen people. Mm-hmm. Like, imag- like, imagine being in a crowd of, like, you know, 30, 40 people, and now imagine, like, you know, holding their attention for five minutes. That's a difficult thing to do, and it's impressive if you are able to manage it. Yeah, and it's just, it's bizarre when, like, as I say, people just have these weird expectations of just well, I need to be as big as the biggest people on the platform to succeed. It's like, you don't. The fact that you're going in with that mentality means that you're going to immediately burn out because there's no way of like achieving that success. Yeah, there's also as well no way of maintaining success like that, which is why. And I think this is something I really don't like that um, bigger content creators do, is they seldom mention how many people they have behind the scenes, if ever. Right, yeah. And I get really frustrated with um, the fact that you have these like big content creators who don't talk about the fact that, yeah, they're on camera, they're recording stuff, but the moment they finish recording something on their incredibly expensive setup uh, that they probably don't touch, um, a team of like four or five editors like and people behind the scenes, um, edit, edit, sound, check it, do all the stuff that needs to be done and then upload it to the platform. Which is one of the reasons why I like try every episode of the thing we do to introduce the person off camera. Yeah. To like, you know, note people that, yeah. And that's the thing is like, um, we literally get it where, you know, obviously we put people like in the credits, like who's worked on what. And then there's people like, oh, well, uh, Brad hasn't been part of the channel for years. It's like he's in like the credits and in the description of every video he's been editing. Yeah. And people are like, yeah, Brad just left. It's like, just because he doesn't literally exist in the form of a voice or on screen or something doesn't mean those people aren't there. Which is what I think that speaks to um, uh, the inability of people online to see anything beyond like, the most superficial way. Of like, as you said, we got, that was a comment we got for ages. Like, Brad moved away. Like, he was physically really far away and he was like, you know, taking time to work on his own stuff and now he's back. And like you could, we used to get like angry comments of like, where's Brad? And it's like, he edited the video that you're commenting this on. Like literally just take one minute to look at like, you know, the video description. You can see that right there. Yeah. Edited by Brad. It's like, okay. And it's that thing of like, but then they're the people who expect us to like talk to them, like, you know, explain how the channel works when they're not even taking the most basic precautions and steps to like, you know, learn very obvious visible information for them um yeah and like i guess like that's something we can talk about now then it's like well carl yes how, how many people are involved in this operation uh for fact fiend it is myself and i guess we, we know as what joy is but let's break down everything we all do yeah so i think it's important for to do this because it's something that i just figured people would know but i guess the information is quite difficult to find so fact fiend um is owned by a company called Big Wangers Incorporated. That's a real company. That's not something that, you know, we make up for a joke. It's owned 
um, in its entirety by a company called Big Wangers Incorporated, the managing director of which is me, Carl Smallwood, and I am the sole owner of that company, and as a result, I'm the sole proprietor of everything involved with Factfeed. You know, I own all of the the videos, I own all of the associated artwork, and the trademarks, which I, yep, I've got a trademark on all stuff, Factfeed related, the logo and all that good stuff. And um, I write all of the articles, I do all of the research, the original idea for the channel was mine, the original site was mine, all of the decisions behind the scenes get made by me. It's it's and that's the thing I don't like saying this. It makes me sound like an asshole, but it's like it's difficult to write, but it's yeah. And then I have some contractors called Lucas, Brad, and Nisha. Mm-hmm. And that's it. That's all of Fact Fiend. And like you take care of what, Lucas? Um yeah, so like I mean, I guess generally speaking, it's just obviously we're um either behind the camera or when we record remotely, we are, you know, mm-hmm behind the Discord screens um, on our PCs. But either way, like, you know, we record audio. Mm-hmm. Um, we, as editors, like, obviously take all the footage, edit it, upload it, make thumbnails. Like, um, you know, for example, I need to title videos I don't necessarily think Brad and Nisha do because uh, I, I work on the wiki ones. They work on, type, like, articles. Mm-hmm. That's something else that's, like, maybe the difference between uh, Brad and Nisha and I is, like, yeah, I'm the one who normally edits the wiki videos, and they've edited a few themselves, but like generally speaking. Mm-hmm. And then um, for like the regular fact fiend article videos, they're the two that edit them. And obviously, you can like see slight differences in editing style and stuff, mm-hmm. depending on um, who's editing the video. And then, yeah, like there's also obviously working on this podcast, and now that we have on title the side channel, um, we also all, you know have our fingers in that pie and look after the Patreon between us um, and try and make sure, you know, like people looked after and like, you know, any messages that are important get responded to and stuff like that. And then um, just random things as well. Like recently I decided, you know, it might be a good thing just in terms of like helping a community of just, hey, what if we set up a, a Discord for the patron members? Yeah, so I just that, yeah. set up that and made, you know, made some arrangements with that and stuff and set up the, like, the bot to automate all that process and just a lot of little behind-the-scenes things that you might not think about of, like, Brad has recently been going through some, like, descriptions to make sure, like, older videos that still get viewed are obviously up-to-date because that yeah, information is, like, years old. It's a, a huge collaborative effort and um, that's one of the reasons I don't like talking about all the stuff that I do because I... One of the reasons why the channel, we go out of the way to introduce at the start of every episode, so far away or nearby, whoever it is, to establish that you are, you know, you know, a significant and important part of the channel, its voice and the way it's like um, uh, been constructed and evolved over the years. Yeah, for sure. And like, I appreciate that you see us as, you know, a valued part of the, um, the channel itself, but it's very telling when we have moments like, for example, the video that we made about Manscaped. Where it's like, mm-hmm. well, the only person that matters is the person on screen. It tells a whole story in like a sentence there of yeah. what people and sponsors think about YouTube channels. Which is like, you know, frustrating and not something I want you to deal with. And it's also like, you know, a source of frustration for me. Like, you know, you mentioned there, people constantly say, like, where's Brad? It's like, he's getting paid. He's still working. He's doing his own shit. Mm-hmm. And it's just like, um, it's one of those. Not like 
annoying, just slightly, like, I don't know the word, just a little bit um, kind of disappointing, I guess, that just a lot of the time editors and people behind the scenes just like, this isn't exclusive to YouTube, it's just, generally speaking, when it comes to media, everybody behind the scenes just generally gets forgotten about, apart from maybe people who have experience of being behind the scenes. Yeah, and that's why I think like uh, other YouTubers should probably mention more that they have people who do that because it gives an unrealistic expectation of how easy it is of like, oh, well, they somehow like, you know, do five videos a week. And have like a TikTok and an Instagram that's looked after and like, you know, maybe a Twitter account that they don't look after. Um, also making like a bunch of shorts and doing like a bunch of extra stuff like merch pages and things like that and it's like well yeah not everything is generally managed by that one person normally mm-hmm. that well, one they person act like it is yeah normally a lot of the time it's like maybe they'll like script and star in the video and then just push out everything else to other people which that makes sense but they don't talk about it yeah and a lot of the time as well something i've learned as someone who used to write scripts is I used to write all the scripts for people, and something that you know used to personally frustrate me is like Simon Whistler is a very, um, very prolific creator online. Like I think he's not probably one of the hardest people, hardest working people on YouTube, and I know for a fact he does write a lot of his own stuff. But he also, as well, is like you know a voiceover artist. He's a host. Yeah, he gets paid yeah. to be a host a lot of the time. And one of the things that got me like it would frustrate me when I was like you know writing behind the scenes is I'd write an article, it gets turned into a video, be like really like, well received. I'd look, go down to the comments and say, what are people saying? It's like, wow, Simon, where'd you find all this stuff? It's like, my name's listed at the end. Yeah, yeah. And like, you know, that that is the beauty of being at Simon Whistler's level is that, you know, you can get a lot of the, the credit without necessarily putting in the hard work. And what I mean by putting in the hard work is like on that specific case scenario where like you mm-hmm. are the one writing and researching and they are just presenting the information on camera. I would argue that the harder work is like, or at least maybe the lengthier job mm-hmm. is the writing and researching process. Yeah, and like no, no, um, uh, hey, anyway, you know, I worked with him for many years. Yeah, 100%. And it's like you know, it's not, it's not his fault that people don't realize that it's a collaborative. Like all content is a collaborative effort for the most part. Yeah, a hundred percent. And I, that's definitely not me trying to take away from, uh, you know, like the, the job that somebody like Simon does because like the end of the day it's a really difficult and good skill to have to be able to be that person on camera and at the end of the day like clearly they excel at it because so many uh, so many different you know sites or channels or whatever use him as a host mm-hmm. and, and uh, one ooh, okay. no no go ahead yeah, yeah go so it's one last thing to mention like another person behind the scenes doesn't necessarily work on the channel but is um, related to it um, is Lulu, my missus, who runs some of the social media stuff and is helping to arrange like the live event and things like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So they also decide, but they're not directly involved with the channel. They're occasionally a voice on it, so they don't like, edit videos or anything like that. So I thought I'd mention that. Yeah, because and... again, like that's another branch of having this channel, and they they do work on like the TikTok and stuff like that, as you say, and like it's all stuff that should be mentioned and credited. And it's one of those things I don't want to be there saying, oh, you should credit everyone who does all the like, no, does work for you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, not like crediting someone who does work for us. Yeah, for sure. And like, you know, that, sorry, but I, don't, I can just hear my dog kicking up. I, I can hear Cade in the background, like, where's Cade's, like, you know, um, credit? 
What does Craig? What does Cade do? Well, apparently, he just what he does is fucking content. best. He does his best. You know what? We've got to credit him now because he's in the background. <laughs> All his socials. So have you ever heard that story? I forget which film it is. I think it's like being John Malkovich or something like that, where um, someone threw a beer can at the actor and it cracked him on the head and they said, like, heads up. And they thought that take was so fucking funny um, that they put it in. But they realised that the guy who threw it was an extra. Uh, and, right. he, and extras don't get speaking parts because people with speaking parts in movies get um, uh, paid differently. So they had to raise that guy's pay and let him join the Screen Actors Guild. So he got like an extra $500 a day and um, got to join the Screen Actors Guild, which, you know, usually costs thousands of dollars because they wanted to use that take. Like, yeah, we'll we'll pay for all that stuff if you let us use this take of you, like, being in our um, uh, star with a beer can. <laughs> that's so weird. Yeah, but that's just how it works sometimes. So, you know what, Cade, we have to pay to get him in part of, like, you know, the Fact Fiend Guild. I know, yeah. And, like, it's just one of those things of, like, yeah, even making content like remotely where it might seem easier for example it has problems like this when your dog won't shut the fuck up ah he's doing his best and i don't and that's one of the things that like um i think we should talk about you know, behind the scenes about with professional and professional is the uh the label which um uh, was that's anyone curious where that comes from that's me again um that was brad when he first edited the very first fact theme video was going to make it look super professional until i looked at an early edit which was just the green screen before he edited it out with all the pits in the background I went use that that looks fun mm-hmm. and he's like what well that looks like crap I'm really unprofessional right now professionally unprofessional because you're showing that we know how to use the green screen but we're not using it in its entirety which gives us the, the way the, the green screen like the edge of it you know the black frame right, that frames the video in a really nice and satisfying way. And that will give us like a distinct look for the thumbnails. And if people yeah. go look at thumbnails, you'll notice that the thumbnails have a small vignette around the edge um, to replicate um, that look. Yeah, it's only very slight, but it is there. It's very slight, but it's there. And it's one of those things that's a little detail we put our effort, in, uh, put effort into and was like, you know, um, uh, thought out um, uh, behind the scenes. And I like that because I said that's going to give us a distinct visual look. And, and as, well, like- as a result, no other channel looks like ours. That's the thing is, I, I give props to like how simply effective the thumbnails are because, I again, I'm I'm joining years into the channel and like mm-hmm. it's one of those things that I mentioned when we were making the Untitled Side channel like, are we going to have a similar thumbnail setup to like emulate Fact Fiend so people know it's related, or are we going to try and branch out and do different thumbnails because then it feels like something different and new and like obviously there's there's a lot of discussions that happen with the side channel like. How related do we want it to seem to Fat Feed while also yeah. being its own entity? Brad just turned around and was like, well, there's nothing special about the Fat Feed thumbnails. It's just big text on an image. Everyone does that. And I was like, but while I'm scrolling through YouTube subscriptions, like, I, you know, might be subscribed to 100, 150 channels. And, like, without needing to, like, specifically look at the video, I can see which Fat Feed videos crop up in that real like it's yep. not hard to identify like even if a lot of channels do big text on image like there is a certain format to the fact that wants them stand out yeah there's a lot of things there's a lot of work that went in behind the scenes just like you know the visual look of the channel and one of the things that um i insisted upon very early on is that the professionally unprofessional motto is something that we lived and breathed in regards to our content and that we never made content look too professional unless we were leaning into the fact of like how not to do businesses. 
we generally make those look a bit more professional because we're supposed to be speaking with an air of authority there. And in regards to the regular fact fiend stuff, it was always framed as it's your drunk mate at the pub telling you a half-remembered fact that he learned a few years ago. Right. Just yeah, like this yeah. drunk friend happens to be a bit more well-informed than other ones, and you know we put a bit of effort into like you know the actual fact checking to make sure it's all like you know above board and it's not just like a bullshit fact. Yeah, and obviously like a lot of that just comes with the fact that you've been writing and researching articles for a long time. Mm-hmm. So it's kind of just something that you've naturally been good at. Well, not naturally necessarily, like obviously. It takes a lot of um, effort, hard work yeah. and effort to learn how to do that well. But that's, that's a skill that you have acquired over time. Yeah, it takes a while, but it's like, you know, like any skill, it can be learned, it can be honed, and it can be improved. Mm-hmm. And this is like, again, one of those little things I don't even think about now, but I guess people must have like wondered, like, why is the green screen the way that it is? Yeah. And, and it, quite recently, it's, went back to doing that. It's one of those things as well, like just, you know, say for example, with myself, is like I've been editing fat theme videos the same way, but getting better at editing over time because like, I didn't have editing experience. You just took me on uh, because you were helping out a friend. Mm-hmm. And it was one of those of like Nisha gave me, you know, a half hour um, sit down in the office of like, well, here's what I do for, to edit a video. Here's how you were the green screen. Um, it's relatively simple. Like, you know, obviously she was just like, if you need help with anything else, let me know. And gave me the files that I needed. And there we go. I just, you know, kind of went off her advice and learned how to do it. And you can see the difference, I'm sure, if like you watched my most recent edit compared to the ones where yeah. I started out. And like, you'll see that, you know slowly gotten better at certain elements and making sure like the green screen's a little bit better and um or worse intentionally and yeah it's one of the things i quite like about how collaborative fact fiend has been where like i mentioned earlier like near enough everything behind the scenes is under my control but the reason why we have that is so that you know decisive quick decisions can be made but before big decisions are made i always run everything past you like in regards to the side channel in regards to like you know we're going to change the amount of content we produce. Um, even when it comes to like how much you guys are paid, um, something that I think surprises a lot of people is that I don't choose the price you're paid. You tell me how much you want to be paid and I have to bug you every now and again for you guys to get together, kick me out of the Facebook group we've got to talk about videos, come up with a price you all think is fair and then like re-let me rejoin after that discussion's taken place and tell me how much you want to be paid. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Because like, Especially when the channel was uh, doing better, it was like, you know, you made sure, like, look, I think you turned around to us and was like, I think you guys should get paid more, so come up with a a fair, realistic price that you can get paid a bit more for. And part of the reason why I did that is because when the channel was in, like, you know, it's most successful, when it was earning um, a considerable amount more than it did now, I didn't want any resentment to foster because you guys can see the. I give you access behind the scenes. I don't want there to be any secrets. I want there to be complete transparency between ourselves about how well or not well the channel's doing. And I didn't want you guys to see the channel's doing really well and think, well, why are we not getting our cut? We're just as important. Like, if we all left tomorrow, like, do you know I think it's like very prescient about what's happening today? Of, Well, we're the ones doing all the work. And you could argue who's like which one of us is doing the most work. Like, is the idea and the research more work than the editing? But I think of it as being, you know, it's very similar um, amounts of work have been put in and like you know one could not exist without the other yeah exactly i think that's important thing to have and i think all of us are pretty good 
at least in what's been said. I don't know if anyone's, uh, you know, hiding something from us, but like everyone seems to just know that, you know, each of us are an important part of the channel and that, as you say, this operation doesn't work without the other piece. Yes, and it's one of those things that I like, you know, keenly aware of and wanted to make sure. And one of the reasons why I, I think that worked out quite well is because the channel wasn't doing as well. And we had to you know, start making those difficult decisions. It wasn't something that came out of the blue because I gave you access to see. Oh, I gave you access to behind the scenes and like you know, you were fully aware of how well and not well the channel's doing. You know how much the channel has in its coffers. Yeah. You know, like, you know, I'm gonna give you a fair deal either way on whatever we decide. And I think a choice I gave everyone, since you're like, you know, revealing stuff behind the scenes, is when the channel started flagging a bit, is like, well, there's quite a bit of money in the coffers. If you guys want, and I can give you your share, like I'll split this four ways. Give you guys your share of the money, which should, you know, hopefully keep you going for like a year or so, so you can focus on your own stuff, and that way you don't have to worry about, like, you know, committing to three or four days a week recording and editing. Yeah. Or we can, like, you know, work together and, like, you know, for a couple of months, and you won't get the big payout at the end, but you will have, like, you know, ongoing um, pay and the um, uh, the schedule that, are, like, you know, naturally arises from having set work. And as well, like, that's also you know where the Patreon came from where the untitled side channel came from is like mm -hmm. when we made the decision that we would rather like try and continue the channel because like that was a a, a decision we all came together and agreed upon is like well mm -hmm. we'd rather keep doing it as long as we can because we enjoy yeah. doing this um, that was the the reasoning wasn't it like uh we can keep doing it and i can pay everyone like you know their current wage plus a bit more for the patreon or you can have one big payout now yeah, that's the thing is, like, we still get paid the same per video as, like, when the videos were getting a bit more views, but that's kind of possible because we're subsidized by the Patreon. Yeah, and that's one of the things that, like, people are wondering, oh, so did you, like, I said that I raised pay when the channel was doing well. Did I lower it? I know. And I've turned down, I think Brad mentioned that. I'm like, oh, we'll take less money. I'm not paying you less money. You're going to earn the same. Like, the last thing people need during a cost of living crisis is to earn less money. You should feel secure. That you were able to, like, you know, pay your own way, um, doing the content or doing the job that you've been doing for the last couple of years, and like, you know, that's I, obviously appreciated, like, appreciated by all of us. And like, I don't want that to to go unsaid, as if it's just like some kind of expectation for anyone listening. Mm -hmm. um, you know, that's a, a it's a very easy decision to make when we were saying, you know, companies just like. Well, fuck it. We'll just start like paying people less or axing people because guess what? We need to make more profit. I'll, I'll be honest. There was a lot of thought about getting rid of my girlfriend, but <laughs> I'm kidding. <laughs> Take that Can you imagine down. that one? Don't get that. Don't to, let to that one fair, get though, flipped out. The the best bit about that would have been um, uh, if we came to a vote. It probably would have been me who quit, fair. just to see what would happen. It's like we are all like, yeah, we want the channel to continue. Carl goes, well, good luck with that. You know what? I'm going to leave. <laughs> I'm good. Do you know what? Just to see what would happen. This would probably play good. I mean, you know, I, I used to write essays 10 years ago. I'm sure. No, I couldn't. I, I could, last thing is, I'm, I wouldn't even be interested enough to like actually create articles. That's why I just, you know, between us came up with the uh, the easier idea of like well we don't we don't need to research like the wikis are there the research is done for us mm -hmm. I, don't, I, don't, I don't mind like you know the idea of the wiki weekends i will say you know revealing like behind the scenes stuff of like 
it did get a bit gutting when Wiki Weekdays were um, uh, doing uh, performing better, better than, than your like actually researched articles. Until it was you said, well, people are tuning in for our personality, so it's still tuning in for us. I'm like, that's much better, thank you. Yeah, yeah, and that's why you've got to look at it. Really, is just we are picking a popular subject to just rant about for a while, and people are there. So just experience like us and our personalities and stuff and like yeah, that's definitely the case where I just okay, wikis are an easy thing to frame it around, but the the reason that people consistently are watching them is for the conversations. I'd hope so anyway. And it's one of those things that I'd um, you know, advice for people who want to do is that you need to um uh, have very thick skin. And like I oh, mean yeah. in the sense that you need to be able to accept failure and rejection and be able to keep going because the amount of people I know who tried to like do creative work and then just had one setback and they let that dwell on their mind for like weeks is that you can't yep. you can't dwell on it for more than a day because like you've got to work yeah and no, I've mentioned it before on the podcast of like I literally scared myself into not making content because I didn't like the way my voice sounded and that mm-hmm. that affected me for years and I don't like the way my voice sounds still but like that's I've just generally learned over time that that's a very common thing between a lot of people because you obviously sound different in your head. Um, but like, yeah, it's, it's one of those things where just, I had to let it go and stop letting it get in the way of me, you know, making content and enjoy because I enjoy doing that thing. And it's like, yeah, it's just even now, occasionally I'll catch myself editing the podcast or a video and just be like, oh. I don't. I don't want to hear myself. But yep, and that's why I don't edit my own videos. Yeah, you notice that the videos that I edit, they've got a lot less um, uh, clips and stuff in. It's because I can't stand watching them over and over again. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, one that like editing thing. I think for myself that like really came into handy when I figured out that like, well, it's a lot easier to rem- like than remembering where all of these like pictures and clips and stuff going is like after I've watched through like, making markers on you know my, my Premiere profile of, as mm-hmm. I'm watching it stop, make a marker, make a note of what I want to do here so that then I don't have to watch the video back over and over again to make sure I've got all of like the uh, the right time stamps and stuff like that is like do it as you're going through the video and that's just basically because I don't like having to listen to myself over and over Mm-hmm. and it's just yeah it's uh the advice i can give is just you've got to learn to like yeah no one likes their own voice no one likes looking at pictures of themselves everyone like a thing for me that took a while to learn is that's probably why i was drunk in a lot of the early videos is if i was drunk i at least had the excuse of looking shit yeah and then it got to a point of like well i look shit 90 percent of the time because i've got low self-esteem maybe i should fix that and i'll stop caring mm-hmm. and now i've got good self-esteem and i don't care anymore for sure, and um, that's something that again, like you know, it's hard to um, sometimes like get yourself to to do certain things just because yeah, like self doubt or there's a certain thing you care about. And like, I know, for example, um, the video that went out on the Untitled Side channel last weekend from myself mm-hmm. was like um, me reaching out and speaking to Rebecca Valentine from IGN, and for the longest time, like. I have stopped myself reaching out to people for the fear of rejection. 
And it's just something you got to do. Because um, yeah. so, the thing that helped me with that years ago, this is long before Fat Fiend existed, is I did SEO work for a site. I forget the name of it now, but um, I did SEO work for them and also helped contribute to their blog. And their blog involved just contacting random people. I, I had no idea who they were. Mm-hmm. But like, it'd be, oh, we need you to interview this person. And I remember like, oh, are they expecting me to email them? No, but we'd like you to interview them. It's like, do you have a contact information for them? No, but we want you to try and get hold of them. And it's like trying to get a hold of someone to interview them so I could earn money for writing their interview up into an article right, yeah. for $10. And I'd spend like, you know, two weeks chasing them via email and social media and stuff like that to try and get in contact with them. And then the awkwardness of them being like, I'm sorry, I don't do interviews. And it's like, oh, okay, I've got told to interview, but okay, bye. Yeah. It's just years of doing that. And it's like, you get kind of used to it. It's like, you know what? It's an email. Who gives a fuck? That's the thing is like, you know, again, it's like, it's hard to not be scared of rejection. Like that is a thing that a lot of people suffer with. Um, And just what's the worst that can happen? Like the worst that can happen is they're like, you know, and then you move on and you can ask somebody else to work with you or do an interview or whatever. Um, so yeah, it's just, it's one of those things of like, I constantly was like, well, I want, I want to make this, but I need to reach out to people. It's like, well, what's stopping me? It's like, realistically, I could just send an email at any point. Yeah. I think everyone ignores emails. Yeah, true. Don't feel bad about don't feel bad about someone ignoring a fucking email. It's an email. But the general rule I want to say is the same thing about when you're texting a girl. You send one message, then you send a follow up a couple of days later, and then if you really want to, if you know the person, just send a follow up saying something along the lines of, um, uh, "I tried contacting you a few times, but you must be busy. Um, reach out to me when you have time if you're able to. Hope everything's okay. If you don't know the person, just leave it after that second message." I was going to say even the third message is a bit more sometimes. Like- yeah. That's so why you only do it with the person who's. But yeah, for sure, it's like if there's, there's somebody that ignores you once or twice, like that's the rule I always do: one text, two texts, and after that, it's like if unless I know the person. But yeah, yeah you send like, one text or a message, a follow up a couple of days later. If they ignore that, it's like move on. It's not unfathomable to like say that oh well, somebody might you know, get a lot of people contacting them or whatever and might just miss an email or mm. might not have time at that time to respond to it and might forget. But generally speaking, if you've sent a second one and they're still not responding and they don't know you, as you said, it's like probably more that they're just like, I don't want to have a conversation with this random person who just sent me an email out of yep. that's a perfectly, and that's just like my general rule of thumb. Yeah, for sure. And um, yeah, like, I guess that's, my opportunity to just say like go watch um go watch the first episode of the plus button on on title side channel youtube channel like just yeah so g- give, how awkward did that get then give myself a bit of you know confirmation that it's the right thing to be doing it wasn't very awkward like um less awkward than i thought it might be just on like personal side of i've not worked with anyone outside of fat fiend really um especially not by myself um so it's it's one of those of like it was a big step for me, but the moment I got on a call with Rebecca, it like a lot of those worries and nervousness just kind of went away, and I went into yeah. that content mode. And like it's one of those that they were lovely to work with, and um, just really like yeah, very friendly and approachable, and 
just made the process a lot easier for myself as well. Just like, you know, yeah, very patient with me and that. So, yeah, I can't, I can't really say It's like that. jumping into a pool, isn't it? Yeah. That... Or getting up out of bed. It's like, no one wants to do it, but once you're out of bed, it's not half as bad as you think it's going to be. That's the thing, yeah. And, like, I recently... Um... I recently had like a first driver lesson I've never driven before and like now that I, you know I need a car I need to learn to drive and stuff and like even my driving instructor when we started was like are you nervous I was like yeah but, of course I'm you, nervous what are you nervous about I was like I don't know I'm nervous about like the unknown but the moment I started I wasn't nervous anymore it was just like that that like fear of the unknown of like well something might possibly go wrong you've just got to get that voice out of the back of your head and it's like it's like, you know what? I run this fucking city. And then you start <laughs> power sliding and you put in your favourite Tokyo Drift CD soundtrack. Yeah, so now I can say that I'm going to be the star of the next Fast and Furious movie. Oh, yeah. So, so speaking of which then, like, um, I think we've been like a rambling on and off. It's difficult to um, find a... Uh, um, uh, just... Carl, we've been rambling on and off for like 120-something <laughs> episodes. <laughs> I was going to say, like... and. I feel it's a bit strange to look to the future, and the future at the moment for Fact Fiend and associated content is so unclear, and that's not yes. something we can help. It's not something we can really change. It's just we have to keep our finger on the pulse of what's happening with the channel, um, the analytics, the audience, and just YouTube in general, and then respond um, to it accordingly. It is the life of being a, a quote-unquote content creator, and I hate using that term because it's like yeah. it's such a kind of unpersonable way to talk about yourself is just like you are there to create content it's a fitting term i suppose it's what we're here for yeah yeah it's like it's what else do people like the only value we provide for a lot of people is the um, entertainment um, value that we have yeah i don't you know regret i don't begrudge people that it's just like yeah you know, it's a pretty good deal. It's like we're entertaining, you watch the stuff. As long as we're entertaining, you keep watching. As long as you keep watching, we'll keep being entertaining. It's a pretty sweet deal, you know, if everyone's happy with it. Mm-hmm. For sure, yeah. So I was gonna so I was gonna say, is there anything like, you know, any frequently asked questions we've had through the past? Like, you know, something's just like focus us in. What's your favourite video call? Um, I don't know. Um I treat YouTube that's the one we get a lot. I treat YouTube as my job and as it's my job, I don't often remember specific days of work. Um, it's you know it seems weird and oddly like um, harsh to say that I don't care, but it's the nature of creating content it means you can't give that much of a shit about the content that you make because there's a very real chance that the day after you create it and upload it, it gets copyright struck and you've got to delete it or change everything. Yeah. So it requires you to have, as I mentioned earlier, like that thick skin, mm-hmm. and part of that involves sometimes just the content doesn't work out, the audience doesn't respond to it in the way that you'd hope, and you have to move on from it. And that's like that's a really frustrating thing. It's like, you know, when I might edit like a funny moment with a clip or something, and that gets struck, or you know, you've got a video that you're really proud of, and it gets a low amount of views or whatever, or yep. like not great feedback in the comments or something like that, and you're like, oh, that's a bit disappointing. That's a bit annoying. But like, yeah, as oh, you say, like for myself. I'll work on a, a joke, work ages, like crafting a joke or doing a funny edit in some of the videos that I do for the side channel mm-hmm. and no one comments on it. And it's just, yeah, and that's why it's, having a favourite video is not something I can really say because like, you know, I'm constantly having to look forward about the next thing that I'm creating. Because if I dwelled on all the stuff that I've made, um, like, you know, we'd just keep trying. Do you like those people who, and I think the biggest cowards on the internet or one of the biggest cowards are people who retweet their own tweets 
Oh, right. Late, later in the day to get more traction on them. Mm-hmm. I think those people are fucking cowards. Create something new or don't I know, bother. like, obviously we're talking in terms of just a retweet, whereas, like, obviously, for example, if we're plugging, like, our streams, then mm-hmm. we'll normally, like, just re like, you know, quote tweet it and be, like, going live now, just to yeah, give people, like, a different. reminder of a schedule. That's a different thing. There is thing. a di- like, I consider those to be different things, but other people might, you know, that's their prerogative. But I do can, um, uh, and it's the same thing with, like, YouTube. We kept trying to, like, you know, make the same kind of content. And admittedly, we do make similar content, but I say because it's improvised, and the conversations that arise are always going to be different. Yeah, and, like, the, that's the impetus fun. of the, the wiki or the article is just something to use as a jumping-off point to then frame a conversation around. Yeah, like whatever we're actually talking, the topic of each individual like wiki video is incidental. And I'd say the same thing for the fact videos. It's like, how many comments do we get of like, get to the point on videos? Fact it's out, like, this we, time stamp, it's like, okay, sure. If we did that, then the content that's, you know, built us this audience up wouldn't exist. Like if we just made like one second long, like 10 second long videos telling you the facts, you wouldn't click on that either because no one wants to click on a 10 second long video. Yeah, with no personality you never just heard being of. like, here's a fact. Yeah. Yeah, it's just it's one of those weird things of like it, it's somewhat like annoying and restraining to worry about the analytics, but at the same time, you've got to think of it on the other side of things of like it's also a business that's keeping our jobs afloat, and mm-hmm. you've got to and you have to treat worry like about the fact that well, if you use it up or down, then that affects how much we're all earning or how much the channel is earning to be able to keep our jobs going. It's one of those tough things of like, yeah, it can be rough sometimes to try and cater towards like, oh, we need to get more views. But sometimes it's just the reality of things. Yeah. And that, as a result, like when I get asked the question, like, what was your favorite video to record? The answer is, I don't fucking know because we've made like 1,000 of them. Um, I don't tend to recall an individual recording day because it probably like the my favorite video. I, I must have one. It was probably sandwiched between two other videos I enjoyed recording just as much mm-hmm. that day. And um, I'll, 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 because I know people want to get an answer that's not just like, I don't know, I'll reframe mm-hmm. it in a bit of a different way. And I, again, like, mm-hmm. I don't know is a valid um, answer, but is there like a certain like, thing or moment that within Fat Fiend, just in any essence, that you're like, you know, very proud of, or it's very memorable to you? Uh, in a more abstract sense, just the success. The fact that I've been able to achieve success doing exactly what I want. And uh, something I've talked about privately with you, but and touched upon in um, uh, content, is that um, I've been doing this for a very long time, and I know of a lot of other people in this industry, both like, you know, in front of, behind the camera, especially in the writing world. And something that you know, makes me... And it's one of those, that schadenfreude thing of when I used to be like, you know, a journeyman writer, the amount of shit I would hear get talked by all the other people that I'd interact with. And they were always so insistent that they were hot fucking shit. And that used to piss me off to no end because it's like, we write dick jokes on the internet. <laughs> we're not that important. And they would act like they were such a big fucking deal. And they would act so indignant when people didn't know who they were. Uh, like for example, when I started writing for today, I found out I got reached out to for my articles for top tens, mm-hmm. 
and to write for today, I found out. And I started writing for today. I remember as soon as I, I mentioned that gig on Facebook, I was like, oh, I'm going to be a writer for today, I found out now. Within about five minutes, I was getting messages of like, can you put me in touch with them? How would you get that? So, oh, no, you know, they saw my articles. Well, I've written, like, you know, more articles than you. Maybe they'd like me to write for them. But they reached out to me. Yeah. So, knowing, and I, something I learned years after the fact is when, like, Fact Fiend and stuff took off and I just stopped interacting with that world. Because the story I tell is, that I think sums up the, the way those people used to, like, you know, believe their own hype and the levels of, like, you know, self-delusion they had is that they would all add each other to the Wikipedia pages for their hometowns as notable alumni. Right. And then would use like, and then would you know back that up with articles. But they'd do it for each other because you can't add yourself to Wikipedia, so they'd do it to each other. And then they would use the fact that they are on Wikipedia as a notable person to get um, uh, verified on Twitter. Right. Yeah. So they do that because they thought being verified on Twitter was a big deal. And I get asked a lot, like, "Carl, you got like thirty thousand followers on Twitter, and like, you know, you're the face of a popular YouTube channel. Why aren't you verified?" And the answer is, back when I was doing that. I could have done that alongside them and I didn't want to because I, in my head, went, well, I don't want to be verified until I've earned it sort of thing. Like, you know, I've become notable enough online where it's something that, you know, I feel that I deserve. Yeah. And now that I am notable enough online to, have de- like, you know, to, you know, quote, unquote, deserve it, I don't care. <laughs> I think that sums it up. And then I remember, like, as I was saying, like, years after the fact, uh, when Fat Fiend took off and I stopped interacting with that world, I found out that so many of them were salty that I became successful because they thought that I wasn't a good writer or a good researcher or they didn't like my personality. And they would just say, you know, that classic thing of like, I could do that. Mm-hmm. I could get drunk and make fact videos. Why is he popular? It's like, well, fucking do it then. <laughs> and that's one of the reasons why, like, you know, I insist upon doing it my own way because they all chatted so much shit. And it's something I found out from friends who still talk to me of like, yeah, you got fucking slated when you took off because everyone was just so mad that you took off. And you did it all under your own initiative. And like, it's just one of those. It's just... So that's my favorite thing about Fact Fiend is that it's all my idea. It's my own yeah. idea, and like you know, the success I'm gonna, I am proud of my success, and I'll stand by my failures because they're mine, my mistakes, my successes. I just I find it so funny that like people can't just be happy that somebody else got something out of this shitty life. So, no, no, no that was, I should have got what they got. Well, that's what always frustrated me about it because uh, I think we talked about like, the Cow Gets Cancelled episode where that like fellow writer got really mad at me um, because they were like, you're making fun of me for being a woman. And the point I made is like, I never saw them ever as a woman. Like I saw them as a peer and I was treating them like a peer and talking to them like a peer. As someone in the industry who I've like, you know, got a, you know, a great deal of respect for because I know how hard it is to make it in this industry just as a writer, as a comedian, try to do this. Yeah. And like, you know, all, and that's when a bunch of those um, people I mentioned got really said, oh, man, I hope your channel dies. You never were funny anyway. Your articles are all shit. And it's like how quickly they um, just shit on... Yeah. They want, they get just, they're frustrated. And I think if people go back and listen to that podcast episode, it all started because just someone got mad that I was getting paid more than them because they were annoyed that for a guy a who just sits job, there and drinks. Yeah, for a different job. But they got annoyed that I was getting paid more than them because they didn't deem the work that I'd done as being as good as their own. And they felt like they were entitled and had earned more than I had, despite me working the same industry for longer than they have and arguably putting in more graft. And it's like, even if you didn't, 
like at the end of the day, you're getting paid more for a different yeah, job. Yeah. Like that, that's how businesses work. Like, you know, it's just again, like you know, for example, I'm sure Simon Whistler was getting paid more for appearance fees and hosting fees than writers were. Because guess yeah, what? And it, hosting is like you know seen as a more valuable job, and you earn more money doing it. It's the visible aspect of it as well. Yeah. But it's also the thing as well, if you're in entertainment or any creative industry, that's just how, like, you know, the cards fall sometimes. Yeah, yeah, for sure. Like, st- stuff goes viral, people get um, uh, fined, like, stuff goes viral out of nowhere and you can never predict it. And that has been, like, you know, a, so one of my favourite things is that I've managed to succeed and I've never once compromised my own vision. Mm. And it's just funny, I've always like, done my own thing. I just say, like, it was stepping stones that got you here where it's like, People don't want to hear that. They ha- like, oh, well, how did Carl become successful overnight? And um, the answer I is didn't. that you didn't. And, um, like, you know, it's one of those things of, like, most people that are quote-unquote overnight successes are actually not overnight successes. You just, you didn't know about them until they're overnight success. Yeah. And, you know, it's, it's the whole thing. But, yeah, to answer, you know, in a more... Put, to put a bow on my answer of what my favourite thing about it is that. And, you know, it's it's a very selfish way of looking at it, a very childish and petty way of looking at it. But the schadenfreude of all the people that I saw as peers and thought had a level of mutual respect with myself, it turns out it's just like, you know, a fucking den of vipers. Like, and I should have seen that because, you know, the create, um, creative world is so cutthroat, but because I was so insulated from it because it was online... I just thought it's like I'm having fun research and I'm getting paid, and it's you no, know, it's I thought it's being you know what we do with fact and being collaborative. Yes, and I always treated all my work and one of the things about my days when I'm writing for right for cracked is I was one of the most prolific collaborators on the site because I got my break of collaborating with someone else and I thought that's a really good feeling and that helped me get into this world. So I made a deliberate point of even when I could fully research an article, I would always research. Um, two or three less points than I needed to when I pitched it in the hopes that I could get another collaborator to help more people get into the position that I was. Yeah, fair, yeah. And that's just one of those things that I did wanting to get more people into that world. And if people go back through my archives, see near enough every article I wrote for Cracked was collaborating with someone else. Or I would go into people who only had half an idea and I would say, like, I've got like three or four things you can put here. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, it's your article, but I want to help you get to this world. And then part of the thing was you had to get a collaboration credit. Right, yeah. So I wanted as many people as possible to succeed to know that thing of like all ships rise with the tide and to know that behind the scenes everything was so selfish and cutthroat and Yeah, and that's that's the thing, isn't it? Like that's kinda of goes back to what I was saying earlier, is like that's part of the worry of like reaching out and collaborating with people you don't necessarily know. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, well all I know of this person is like what I've seen on like their socials or on camera or whatever. Like, you don't know how um how they might like treat you or see you. Um, they might be a right prick. They could be, yeah, and like they could be, yeah. Obviously, I've, I've spoken very highly of uh, Rebecca, who I reached out to, who you know treated me like a, an equal from day one and a moment peer. one, and treated me like a peer. Yeah. yeah. Whereas, like you know, I'm sure there's other people out there that might not respond in that way, and that's part of the, the scary part of it. Yeah, and that's why I've like endeavoured to work with only my friends. Mm-hmm. When it comes to fact feeding, because you know, I had those bad experiences of people that I thought were my friends, you know, because we worked together in this collaborative setting. Um, 
like were willing to sell me out instantly, yeah. um, you know, for their own gain. I think the story I always tell is when Fact Fiend took off while I was still on Facebook. So this is many, many years ago at this point. Um, a Fact Fiend video, they started getting shared on Facebook quite a lot. And uh, someone that I used to write with, someone I'd collaborated with in the past. I'd collaborated with them. I'd talked to them. I thought I knew this person. Like, not very well, but, you know, we're Facebook friends. You know, we wish each other a happy birthday. We talked about, you know, um, uh, our careers. Yeah, sure. Now, they sent me a message of, oh... Um, I see that you uh, write for that Fact Fiend site. And I'm like, oh, yeah, 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 Fact Fiend. I went, can you put me in charge with the, like, put me in touch with the owner? And just that moment of they don't give a fuck. They couldn't even be bothered to do the most basic amount of research that I run it. Yeah, yeah. It's like they, and, and one of the other things that got me is like, in their head, they don't even think that I could run it. And I just ignored that message. And I think I deleted Facebook the next day. Because <laughs> I'm like, I don't want to interact with these people anymore. Yeah, that's fair enough. All they want is that they don't want to wish me, like, because I thought they were wishing me well on my success because it's when one of the first videos went by. I said, no, they want, like, how do I benefit from this? Yeah. That's why I thought I want to work with my friends. Because at least my friends, I know that um, uh, I can trust them. Yeah, like, even I kind of experienced that where it's like, um, I just, while I was still working part time in Anders, had someone like, Mm -hmm. um, come in. And like a few people I I knew would come in and, and spoken to them and they just like, oh you know congratulations on on working online and stuff and like it seems like a much better fit for you whatever, um mm-hmm. and then I did have that one experience of like, oh man that's really cool that you get to do that. Do you think that I could like maybe do something? Yeah, and it's like no. Do you think like maybe you could have a word with them and get me involved? And you're just like, oh, no. I don't think I can because I don't want to work with somebody that the immediate first thought is, can I use you how, as a stepping stone to my own yeah. success? How does your how does this benefit me, the protagonist of reality? Mm-hmm. And in that same vein, Lucas, is not you have a favorite moment or like you know um, a thing to have come from the channel? Not necessarily a favorite video, but like, you know a favorite thing that's emerged from it. Try and keep on the positive training. So that was a bit of a negative answer <laughs> to the positive thing. But I do see it as a positive because I have long maintained that I have uh, most of my success is fueled by spite, mm-hmm. and it's spite for people who said I couldn't do it for whatever reason. That's fair. I think that's where we uh, we differ very much. Because you know, like even as I say, like um, got the plus button, my new video of like the entire yes, point. You do indeed is to talk about positivity for the most part because mm-hmm. like. Uh, there's a lot of different people talking very negatively and my, my instinct and my thought for a while is like, well, why aren't there more things dedicated to just being positive? And generally speaking, the answer is because negativity thrives with uh, clicks and interactions. And that's... Also with millennials. Yes. But that is the main reason why, like, most, um, like, you know, YouTube content and stuff is focused on either being negative or making fun of others yeah oh my god that happened to me the other day that i was uh god of war like ragnarok's coming out oh yeah and it was like oh it was a new thing for like god of war ragnarok mm-hmm. i went you know what it's close enough to release now where i can go probably watch the trailer because yeah. i never watched the trailer since i watched like you know the reveal at the playstation I went, you don't want to rewatch it and just get a feel for like what the game is going to be and i just searched like god of war ragnarok and as i'm scrolling down like you know, it's just so this is a thing on YouTube. You can't find the official trailer. No, like it's further down. Reactions to the official trailer by yeah. X, Y, and Z. Yeah. 
And it's a bunch of fucking haircuts talking about how God of War has been ruined. And it's like, the thumbnail is that little black girl that's in it. And you're like, fucking hell. How small has your dick got to be? That someone being brown in a video game pisses you off this much. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's awful shit like that. I mean, as you said, it's more success. Like, you know, that is so good for the algorithm on YouTube. That was placed higher than the official trailer for the game they are reacting to and talking about. Yep. It's a broken system, it really is. It is. And it does not reward positivity, even though I consider myself to be a very positive person. Like, you know me in real life. I'm always smiling. I'm always asking how I'm doing it. But it's just online. So, like, yeah, it's beating the down. after a night out, and we're all like, <laughs> oh, fuck it. <laughs> Even then, I'm usually I'm usually the first one up. Like, do you want a coffee? Mm-hmm. And you're all like that. Well, Carl, like I wake up like at midday feeling like that on a good day. Yeah, and I do. I have to force myself to get up. It's one of the things I have to, I force myself to get up before um, ten every day, and I force myself to um, look at something positive and get a coffee. And um, I look at a possum and I get a coffee. That's the thing is, like, my I time. for a long time um, did that. Well, like, you know, my partner just like got me up every day when they were waking up for work, and she just was like, "Here's a coffee, get up," because like I was still working at Nando's at the time, and that was where I needed Chicken. to be able to work at either seven o'clock in the morning or until one o'clock in the morning, the other way of like a night shift. Yeah, depending on what shifts I had, and it would you know change fucking daily because that's restaurant life, and just um, yeah, like that never ever got me into a schedule it never helped me with productivity and even now where i've like tried to do a similar thing working from home that again it just bit me in the ass because i spent all morning being tired and not productive even if i've had good night's sleep i just i am a night owl and i've learned that sometimes i can just sit down on my desk at 11 p.m and work until four o'clock in the morning and just work straight through but trying to do that at 11 a.m that just yeah, it's not it great, doesn't it? fly for me. It just that's not how I yeah. work. That was a night owl for a long time, so I fully understand that. But okay. yeah, it's, it's one of those I do struggle with. Of like, I know that like how was you know how hath the world blighted me? Yeah. Us complaining about stuff is content. People do like to hear other people um, uh, complain just to commiserate with you. For a lot of people, it's like you know a cathartic shared experience because like. If every podcast we did is my life is great and everything's going well, people won't listen to that so they get pissed off. And vice versa if we just spent all time complaining we... about the weather every single week, which we do, but you know. Yeah. If there was an hour and a half of just weather content every week and how like we hate life, it would just also not do very well eventually. To be fair, Ben Shapiro does fine. All he does is fucking bitch. <laughs> and that's the thing. All he like, does. One way or another, like, if you were to put out one completely negative podcast and one completely positive podcast, the negative one wins out, unfortunately. Yes, because people just like, you know, they they like the misery. However, going back to like, you know, not favourite moment, but one of my favourite outcomes of Fat Fiend has just been like, yes, generally um, the, not always, but generally like relatively positive community and comments that we've got. it's like it's one of those of like, okay, there might be shitty comments every now and then, but for the most part, like the comments and when we reach out to community members and have a live event and stuff, like it's been really nice to see that like people give a shit and some people do. 
Yeah. And they give the hugest shit, which sometimes, like, you know, bites us in the arse. It can and people give such a huge shit. It's so nice, that, like, to have a lot of, like, you know, certain insecurities say, for example, about my voice, and as I say, you know, the podcast that stopped me a lot of the time. And just seeing people, like, be positive towards you and give comments of, like, oh, yeah, you know, like, I really like Lucas being in content or just people getting to know my personality over the time and stuff like that and doing, like, the side mm. channel stuff, which is a bit more fan-oriented at times. Like, it's really fun to just have that, like, you know, not not that I wanted to creep into the parasocial relationship. That's when it gets creepy and can sometimes. But yes. Like, it is course. really nice to have those people out there that, um, that do give a shit and are nice and, you know, very polite and positive towards us. Yeah, unyielding fan support is nice. Uh, yeah, it can be until it goes too far. <laughs> <laughs> Which we've yeah, we've discussed in more detail than we probably should have many times before. But so I'm trying to think of any more like FAQs. You're the one who checks like the um, uh, the Carl's Corner QA Gmail dot com. Is there any like you know common questions over the years you've seen read that we can just like, address right now in this retrospective rambling garden path episode? It's really tough because a lot of the questions are very very basic and they are just along the lines of what is favorite x and what is yeah thing that you like why and it's like a lot of them are just you know you have to kind of cut through the fluff and get to the actual questions of real questions yeah get, um, like salt the wheat from the chaff as it yeah. were and then there is that thing of as well the question we mentioned earlier of like how do i and it's just get started on YouTube, which is probably the most popular thing we get asked about, how do I get started on YouTube? And no matter how many times we give the answer of just fucking do it, I'm not really good at giving advice on this. Like, I can't even explain my own success, so how am I going to help you with yours? It's never a satisfactory answer because people want there to be, like, here's the five-point list that's not too difficult and can be completed by the end of the day. And I shit you not, some of those, um, you know, cheat sheet guides that people charge you for on YouTube, apparently some of them are just like, Oh, find a content creator that you like and copy what they do. <laughs> well, to be fair, that is, a, speaking of frequently asked questions, one that I've had, not a lot recently, but when the channel first went viral. And I think this is like, you know, uh, going hand in hand with me being reached out to by old writing acquaintances. Yeah. So that's what I want to call them now. Not friends, not peers, acquaintances, <laughs> people that I'm aware of. Was like, hey, can I just do this? It was like... Um, People either asking to write for the channel, which there's no other writers for the channel. I write everything that's scripted. Um, everything else is improvised. So we don't need um, any other people writing. By the same token, we don't need any people to edit for the channel. If we need more editors, I'm going to try and bring in people that I know and trust. And to the point where, like, you, you know, stick to that so, you know, firmly that you would pick a friend who can't edit, like myself, rather than find an editor that you're not trustworthy of. Yeah. So that I'm support. Because that's the thing I know that even when you told me you can't edit very well, I, but I trust you to get better. Yeah. I trust you that you want this opportunity enough, and I know you well enough to know that you want to, like, you know, succeed in a creative industry. That you'll grab this opportunity with both hands and you'll get better. Yeah. For and sure. the channel's set up to be professional, professional. So any mistakes can be like you know joked off. We can like you know kind of get away with having like you know, those rough edges for a couple of months while you find your foot. Yeah. I find your uh, footing. Sorry. And that's the thing is like you knew that obviously we've got good rapport with one another to make videos and you also knew that like, it wasn't just Carl found the next friend in the fucking list like 
Carl was aware that I wanted to try and work online and that I've been, you know, in the past I've like, you know, written my own blogs and stuff like that and tried to, mm-hmm. to break into a creative field. It wasn't like a random, I just have a friend and I'll ask them. It was, you know, a bit more of yeah. a, an actual choice, I assume anyway. Yeah, there was a big old interview process. You made it to the end. <laughs> it's like there's a couple of friends who didn't make it. We don't every talk to them friend, anymore. and then just was like, "Lucas, Lucas, what's the deal?" Uh, but like, one of the other questions you asked is, "Can I just make videos and use your articles?" And you know what I'm going to give the answer to that is right now. Of if someone out there wants to make exactly fact fiend content, I'm going to give people permission right now. Hear the sound of my voice. You can use the first three years of articles on the website. If someone out there is legitimately, I, I, they're that fucking devoid of personality and their own sense of self worth, they are happy to just try and ape what we're doing. Fucking go for it. As long as you like, you know, send me an email asking for permission. I will give my blanket permission to anyone who asks for like, you know, access to the first three years of articles on the website. As we say, you know, you've you've been reached out to before. I'm like, well, all you're doing is this. I could do it. It's like, we'll go for it. Like, go on, man. Like yeah. any any, um, especially early feedback. We got to wiki week days or wiki weekends. Was like, all you're doing is reading a that. wiki page. I could read a wiki page. Like, go on, man. Yeah, go on then. Upload That's it to fine. our YouTube channel. Like, do it. Yeah, we don't own the idea. Just like if you do it in front of a green screen, it's gonna be kind of sad because that means you aren't like you know. What we're doing is at least original. And that's the thing, isn't it? Like we've, we've said it before, and you know, it always needs repeating. Of like, well, it's fine if you steal our content because at the end of the day, like we can think of new things, whereas clearly you can't even think of one original idea. Yeah, I'll just make more. So yeah, it's one of those things. So to answer that question, if like if someone out there is really that fucking desperate to try and get, and that's the thing as well. You don't have to be really desperate to try making content the way we have, because yeah, you know, I think you mentioned earlier, like, well. YouTube has very much passed by on this idea being one that's profitable. And the only reason we're still profitable is because we have the already inbuilt audience from the success we achieved when it was. Yeah. So, you know, given the advice of just start a fat channel in 2022 is not a good idea on YouTube because YouTube will not push your videos and get you that viral hit to kick you off. No. Because generally speaking, just fact content on YouTube is on the down. Mm-hmm. Well, that's the thing. I've been asked that a lot. So you know what? Um, since we are entering that period, of, like you know, the fuck it period of Fact Fiend. Yeah. I'll uh, if someone wants to con- they've got to contact me either like you know by email on this or you know a DM or something on one of our social medias. If you're that serious and you're that you know because completely lacking in like you know personality that you can't think of your own idea, you can you can steal my idea. Uh, good luck. Uh, that's that's bit. all I'll say is like. As a channel that has like the seven hundred and fifty thousand subs that we did, like slash do, you know, obviously it's just under that now because of like unsubs or bots or whatever it is being removed or mm-hmm. whatever the the case is. But like the fact that we already have that subscriber base, and we've already got the audience. That's what, like the, apparently that's as big as the audience is going to get for our kind of content. So whoever else is left, like that's the thing is like we got them all. we are getting less views generally with already having that sub base so good luck trying to build it up when you don't have that subscriber base i will say though because this is something we can reveal you know like maybe to end on okay 
Because I can't, I can't, unless you can think of any more like frequent last questions we've had for the past, say, like, besides like favorite X, Y, Z. It's pretty just any common questions are something that we've just talked about over the past like hour or always, you know, pretty basic and yeah, like the more interesting questions are stuff that like we don't really get asked of. Yeah, fair enough. In which case, then I will talk about this because we have been quite dour in a sense. Like you know, I mentioned that, like, you know, in the fuck it phase of fact theme, but something, you know, my 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 role primarily is researcher, and it was for many years. Um, something that I've done is like you know, lots and lots of research. We mentioned Mister Simon Whistler earlier. You know, um, uh, I much props to his success. Um, I wish him all the best. But you know, like he largely works in the same industry as us so i'm gonna like, you know mention today i found out here my former employers and i'm hoping that Davin, who works behind the scenes and like you know gave me my foothold in this industry and um, does not mind me doing this but um if you go look at the analytics for fact fiend and similar sites and i consider that um, today i found out is a very similar site because i wrote like 90 percent of their viral articles in the first year when they went viral and still have articles in their archives that they're using and are still like you know um, making content for them their subscriber to view ratio um, is worse than ours. Right, they have 4 million subs or something like that, and they will, on average, get around the same amount of views we do on videos, except for the occasional one that goes viral. But you can say the same thing was occasionally we get one that's going viral. Yeah. But then if you go, and if you think, well, well, today I found out is like, you know, the most similar comparison to our own content. If you go to like, you know, the complete other side, to the most, like, you know, bottom of the barrel, um, lowest common denominator content in this industry, and you go to Watch Mojo. Watch Mojo are up there like what eight million subs, and um, we get more views than Watch Mojo on a lot of their content. And again, they have to use the the shotgun approach. They occasionally get one that goes viral, and they have like that entire team and industry behind them of like you know uh, writing hundreds of I articles. Just and... check now to clarify. And um, yes, thing is. Watch Mojo has 24.6 million subscribers. So basically near enough 24 million extra subscribers to us. And so they're doing, they have 25 times the audience and reach that we do. What are the, go through their last 10 videos and I'll bring up uh, fact feed. So I'll, I'll remove the now. ones that came up today. Yeah. Um, so let's do it. I'll go to fact feed. And this is just one of those things that I want like to let people know of like, whilst yes, the channel's not doing very well, like, a positive that I see, it's something I told you guys behind the scenes is. Overall, considering we are a team of, as mentioned, four people just doing whatever the fuck we want, whenever we want, getting drunk and hanging out as friends, we're doing exceptionally well relative to, like, you know, the other channels who, who do this thing. So, so like, you know, you the got... numbers are up and down for their videos as well. And uh, yeah, there's occasionally a viral one. But, like, bear in mind, there's 24 million extra people subscribed to their content. Yeah, uh, go on, what's the last video? Say, uh, go for August 15th's video, because that was yesterday's video so for us. they obviously, they put out, like, what? Three videos a day. Uh, how many here? Seven videos yesterday. <laughs> and that's where, like, they are able to... That's where they make their money, yes. Because, like... What's the most viewed video yesterday? They, they did get one viral one yesterday that has 612,000 views, but every other one... Uh, you've got like 73, 76, 49, 83, 1, 2, 1, 36. Yep. Um, so generally speaking, like in and around the 50 to 100k for most videos, and then you get occasional ones that yep. pop off. Yeah, so like, our average for the last um, uh, week is um, between, you said, 150k. And we have literally 125th the reach that that site does. 
We have one fifth the reach of like the most popular content creators in this like you know field. One twenty fifth, sorry, yeah. They have like twenty five million more subs near enough than us, and we can match their level of reach. But again, like because with the... one person working writing all the articles and three people editing them, and they probably have an entire fucking building full. Yeah, and they they probably have like you know dozens and dozens of people cranking out this content because as I say. They are doing like five to eight videos a day from the looks of it. Yeah. And that's and where they, stuff is they, like. they maintain their, their profit. Yeah. And that's that thing of, I think, just that's the way to look at this. Of If we could be able to like, you know, compete with those guys as a team of four, we're doing all right. Not too <laughs> like, bad. Not too shabby. Not too bad. Not great. But if you're doing like, you know. And that's one of the things that I use to reassure like, you guys, and I'll use to reassure our audience now of like, you can go look, like, you know, the downward trend I mentioned. The easiest way to look at it is go look at something like Watch Mojo with their 25 million. And they still sometimes struggle to get as much interaction as we do. And that's the thing is like, maybe we'd, um, between us, be able to crank out a little bit more content. But like, bear in mind, we yeah. also we drop down like one video a week so that we can do the entire side channel content. So like, yeah. We, by setting up a Patreon, made ourselves do more work. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, bear in mind, like, we could maybe, you know, be cranking out, what, a video a day? Maybe. Well, as well, if we, like, shorten down all these videos, if you split fact theme videos into, like, you know, three videos each, and then we start doing, like, re-uploads, and then taking, like, you know, doing top tens and best of lists, we could do all of that. But what's besides the point and that's it's the thing, uh, is it's academic? Like, yeah. Carl, bear in mind, like, writes and researches an article for every video. So, like, you know, would Carl have to then start, like, scraping shit together to be able to come up with that and start, like, make taking less Most time to, to fact-check his articles and, like, do research and stuff? Like, or either mm. that or you are, like, on the motherfucking grindstone. Um, yeah, and like you know, that's academic at this. But well, my point is, and this is the reason, like you know, or I go to what I mentioned earlier. Of one of the things that makes me, you know, happy is that me and my friends getting drunk talking about, I don't know, fucking Batman. We can get as much success, if not more, in some like you know specific you know ways than an entire company who have presumably a team of people whose only job is get more views, get more views, get more views. And us four just like, you know, just sat around dicking about are able to achieve that level of success. And that for me is all I need. Like that keeps me going of just <laughs> knowing that despite everything, we're still doing better than like, you know, an entire industry. <laughs> that is like that is a company right there. That is like a household name. That that's up there in terms of like one of the biggest channels on YouTube. Yeah. Like yeah. you know, if we're doing pound for pound video to video, we're managing to like at least stay comparable. Yeah, with 25... Obviously, they've just uh, got like, the team to we, crank out an inordinate amount of content. Yeah, but with one twenty-fifth the reach that they have, mm-hmm. able to compete with them, we're not doing half bad. And that's one of the, like, you know, a positive thing I'd like to, like, you know, end on for people at home who maybe listened to this and thought, oh, that it doesn't sound like things are going well. Like, just think about it relatively. We're doing all right. Mm-hmm. And the petty part of me, that's like, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like, it's one of those things of, like, as we as kind of, you know, mentioned multiple times in this podcast episode, is like, 
Success is relative. Yes, and it's just no based on like it's it's how you look at it. And for me, that's one of the ways I think when the downturn started, I think Brad especially was getting quite despondent about it, given that you know he was there for the initial very early successes. I I, I did that research, and there was all the bunch of other sites I could mention. But I think Watch Mojo is the most visible one. It's the easiest way to like you know let people visualize this. Of, like our analytics are comparable to theirs, despite having one twenty fifth and the, the reach that they do. And it's when I showed that to Brad, I think that helped him understand. Of look, mate, yeah, we're not doing as well as we used to do, but nobody is. And compared to the people who would like, and of all the people who are doing worse as a result of this algorithmic change and this shift in the kind of content you want to push, we're doing all right. Because imagine what like, behind the scenes, what the people at Watch Mojo think. Yeah, yeah. What do you think they're doing when they've got like you know the drop in viewership? that they've gotten to their stuff. Like they used to get like 3 million views on every video they made. And I'm sure, as you say, like they probably used to buy like two, three videos a day. Whereas like they can't do that anymore because they need, they, they need quantity over quality at this point in terms of just yeah getting as many videos out there so they can still make money. Yeah. And I did. And that's just one of those things that like, I used to help visualize it for you guys. So I thought I'd share it with the audience in the spirit of them. Um, uh... I did just do a little check as well. And, can't find on a list of like how um how watch mojo specifically um mm-hmm. cranks up their port um at like a number of 150 of most subscribed to channels on youtube is 28 million so they're probably realistically in the top 200 channels in terms of subscriber numbers on all of the platforms no, uh, most likely. Well, here's one thing I can check. So, uh, uh, they've been doing it since 2007, 15 billion views. Um, we've been since 2017, so they've got 10 years on us, and we have 285 million views. Would that be 125th in total, you think? What were the numbers? I don't think the numbers are doubt it, but like. 15 billion to 25 mil- uh, uh, to 250 million. No, no, no. No, so they've got us there, but they have got an extra 10 years of making content they on do. us. It's like, it's fine. All we need to do is just like, um, I don't know how they, they, you know, I don't know how we compete in terms of money, but just copy Mr. Beast because, you know, that's what you do yeah, to well, become here you successful, go, Lucas. right? Just copy someone else. But, but you're ready though, Lucas, because we also have an addition to Watch Mojo. They've got Miss Mojo, Mojo Plays, Mo- Watch Mojo UK, Get Mojo, Game Show Mojo, Mojo Travel, Sound Mojo, Junior Mojo, More Mojo, Mojo... Espanol, Watch Mojo Francis, uh, Watch Mojo Deutschland, Watch Mojo Japanese, Watch Mojo Arabic, Watch Mojo Italia, Watch Mojo Hindi, Watch Mojo Turkey, Watch Mojo Russia, Watch Mojo Espanol, Watch Mojo Japan, Watch Mojo Indonesia, Watch Mojo Greece, Watch Mojo Israel, Watch Mojo Bangla, Watch Mojo Vietnam. And they've got their alternate channels like Context TV and um, uh, Get Prize. And and do you know what, Lucas? We're four people. I bet you out as well. I bet we're doing better than Watch Mojo UK. Let's have a look. Oh, they're doing. Watch Mojo UK joined April 5th, 2017. Okay. We joined March 11th, April 17th. Okay. No, 2017. 217 million views for Watch Mojo UK. 285 million views for us. <laughs> Way! So we're better than the entire UK arm of Watch Mojo. Fuck yeah. And they got started on the same fucking day. Literally within like a month of one another. Hell yeah. And I think that sums it up. It's like, yeah, the, we might sound a bit doom like and gloom at times. But, like, 
as you say, they're an entire fucking corporation. Like they are a that is a yeah a monolith. Monolith, yeah, they are like one of the most well-known things on YouTube. And we are four people. Four people like keeping it up. We're doing our best. Oh man, I'm not enjoying this as well because I'm like on Watch Mojo UK and they've got like you know the montage at the top, the pictures of all the British celebs. It's like Basil Brush, Mr. Motivator, Paul Chuckle, and then Nigel Farage. Oh, no. So what the fuck are they doing? Oh, no. the fuck are they doing? God. Yeah, and if... Oh, yeah. Get that man on. But, yeah. Well, I think that's, like, you know, that, that's, like, something I wanted to end on of that, because that's how I helped you guys get over the doom and gloom, because I remember there was a whole thing, I like, I, I think I sat down with these numbers... And we went through them all and we were like, okay, yeah, we're actually doing pretty good. In terms of like, yeah, the the niche that we found ourselves within YouTube, we're still doing pretty well. Yeah, and we don't have like 8 billion fucking channels. We don't have a bunch of channels. We don't have a bunch of people working behind the scenes unbeknown. I do. I mean... (laughs) That's the thing, I do technically. I mean, three people is hardly an army. Uh, Well, I don't know. If you were like Master Chiefs. Uh, but we're not, though. <laughs> yeah. If you were like three people and you were all Master Chiefs. I don't know. Is he good at it? He's not a good at it, but he's an army, isn't he? On his he own. is. Fuck yeah. Isn't that, that thing is, I, did, like, I was like, because I've not checked that in a couple of months, so I was really worried then that we'd check the Watch Mojo and they've, uh, they've suddenly gone up over the like, past couple of months since we checked. Because, like, yeah, every, view they've done, every video they've done it last month's got like 8 million views. I'm like, fuck! So, uh, yeah, I've. Uh, I'm looking forward to, you know, the new, the new version of Fat Fiend, where just which is we make Mr. Beast videos and just do it wholesale. Yeah, you can also do it if you go look at something like Worm. Uh, I think a British-based one is What Culture. Mm-hmm. Oh, they're British-based. Um, uh, we have comparable, like you know, they've got twice as many subs as us, and their videos still get less views than ours yeah. on overall. So yeah, thank you. To and that's, I think that's one of the other ones I use as an example. And this isn't us bragging. This is just me as the example of, like, because I think what culture is closer to what we do. Because they have like the actual personalities behind the camera, but it's still very, like, very corporate, very slick, very like you know, um, uh, well crafted for like you know the algorithm. Yeah, yeah, sure. And we're doing our own thing and still going to compete with them, which is I think you know it's a point of pride, and I think that's something we should be proud of. And I can only thank the dedicated fan base we've got. Oh yeah, who've like listened to the end? This is a ramp. This is a bad one. If you've listened to this one, fucking hell, you're a hero. If you made it to the end I mean, of this bastard. I don't, I don't necessarily think it's a bad one. I just think we tried to do something different today because you know what? <laughs> We've not been it's entertaining. Hundred episodes, and we wanted to like yeah. look back and have a bit of a retrospective about ourselves yes. and the channel. We've been uh, a lot more introspective, and uh, it's been less now. of a comedy podcast more... this week. Yes, so I guess next week we've got to try and go full fucking comedy. Okay. So next week we've got to try and be funny, mate. I'll do my best. We're gonna we'll do our level. Do you know what? Next week we'll have a drink. Okay. Yeah. Next week, you know what? Like, like crack open a beer I, or something like that, and we'll just like have a laugh. This week because uh, like Carl's busy on the usual recording day, we're just we're gonna give a miss to like the the Patreon post show, and we haven't been doing like a video version or anything. It's just audio this week because like. Yeah. I was too hot and sweaty to be on camera right now. I respect um, it. It's on the, the back end of the heat wave, and I've got like the double I've heat got, wave. Yes, you know the classic like blackout 
really thick curtains that keep the heat in this room and like it's not been oh, great. Is it classic or is it it's classic now? It's only been like, you know, a thing that we've needed to do for a week and it's all Oh no, like... I I just mean I've done like the classic gamer thing of like black owl light in my room. Oh man, I like light in my room. It feels great up until you get a fucking glare on your TV and then you miss a shot in Call of Duty. God, the amount of deaths I've had in Destiny to like fucking glare on my screen. I will say that one of the the best things to do though is like the jump people do when they like try and get a cup of tea, and it's like they take up more space. They try and jump in front of you, but the like you know the the sudden motion of them jumping past the TV is more distracting if they just walk past normally. (sighs) But yeah, we can end it there. And if you'd like to continue following us, um, it's twitch.tv forward slash Carlswood for myself, and then for you, Lucas, it is twitch.tv slash Legend of Canto, and uh, yeah, by the time that people listen to this version of the podcast, if you're still listening. Um, yeah, like, we're finishing Bayonetta tonight on my channel, and we'll Bayonetta. be probably rolling into the start of Bayonetta 2, because I don't know how much we've got left of the game. Yeah, about an hour, but uh, yeah, besides that, cheers everyone for tuning in for this one. We'll hopefully be funnier next week, or at the very least, we'll be drunk. <laughs> cheers! <laughs> <laughs>